Well, you've heard it said many times by different, a lot of different people in this program. They believe fish and farming. No, not fish farming. We're talking about the fish, the salmon, and other species, salmonids and others in our local streams can coexist happily and healthy, healthily with farming in our community. And the key is doing the right things to make that happen. It doesn't have to be an either or. We don't need to, you know, as some people might say, get rid of farming to protect the fish or vice versa. Um, so how, how does this actually happen? One, uh, one great example of what's going on with this on the ground, real work that's happening here in our community, collaborations between, well, a lot of different players, uh, but specifically farmers, uh, as well as the Whatcom Conservation District and then other government agencies involved in making these things happen. It has to do with rivers and streams and flooding and fish and it's it's what we're talking about here this morning a real win-win solution where, where this is better for farming it's better for land and property owners and and all that stuff, and it's better for fish what could this be and what we're going to be talking about is fish friendly floodgates and what's that all about this is the morning show the farming show here on kgmi news talk 790 i'm your host dylan honkoop our sponsors are laurel farm and western supply mcavoy oil company and farmers equipment company big thank you to them for sponsoring these conversations that i think are so important to our community of course this is a huge farming community but this is also a very important salmon community. This is an important uh, community ecologically. Here on the west coast of Washington, we have some incredible things going. And how can we make all of this stuff work well together in a way that, that safeguards the environment and allows the, the protection also of the rural and, and agricultural economy and culture uh, here locally joining me with the Whatcom Conservation District, their resource coordinator, Frank Corey. Uh, welcome to the program, and, and thanks for being able to, to talk with us about this this morning. So what, what we're talking about here is putting in fish-friendly floodgates. Probably a lot of people don't even know what what is a floodgate in the first place, and, and if we're saying that some of them are fish-friendly, then obviously some of them are, are not so fish-friendly. So give us a little background, Frank. What, what's, what the heck is a floodgate, and how can it be not fish friendly first off well a floodgate dylan is it's a it's something in a pipe a culvert that prevents floodwaters from reaching the in this case farmland oftentimes you think of tide gates in a marine water situation to mm. protect farmland or other infrastructure in this case it's a flood gate because it's on the nooksack river instead of marine waters Okay, so it keeps when those waters start coming up, it's a way to minimize their intrusion into, for instance, agricultural lands or whatever land the river is, is rising toward. Exactly. And historically, these things have been around, you know, for 100 years, and they've been heavy cast iron flap gates that are hinged on the top. I know that's hard to visualize, but mm -hmm. so they're shut almost all the time when there's just enough stream water to hold the bottom open a little bit for drainage. And then when the river comes up, it pushes against that and it shuts totally. So you don't get flood water up in the fields. The new fish friendly ones are called self-regulating flood gates are hinged on the side and they're much lighter, they're marine grade aluminum. So they're open all the time except for, and they're controlled by a float instead of just the river water. So you can set it for whatever 
water level you can handle. So once the water level reaches a certain level, that float goes up, the gate mechanically closes, and you're protected. So let's talk about the old ones, the fish unfriendly ones. If they're closed all the time, well, what, why do you even need a gate there? Is it now? Correct me if I'm wrong. The idea is they can open then to let floodwaters out in or after a, a flood event, right? Yeah, they're open just enough on the bottom, typically, to allow the stream water to flow through, but not enough to allow fish to get up. Mm. And they do have some head behind them, so they're not great for drainage. There's You have to build up a certain amount of head before you get right. the water going through there. And then when the flood water comes up, it pushes it tight shut, and, and it's going to be shut until that flood water goes back down. Got it. Which I've always wondered about that ever since I was a kid, you know, watching floods and being fascinated with, well, you know, how, how come it's not just pouring out of some of these streams, you know, and, and eventually when, when we do have a big flood here, it's coming over the banks. How, how come it's not just exiting out all the streams? Well, it's because of floodgates and things like that that manage that and keep properties from just being underwater all the time or most of the time around here where we get so much liquid sunshine. Um, but and again, we're talking with Frank Corey here, resource coordinator with the Whatcom Conservation District, these newer Fish-friendly floodgates sound like they allow fish through. They and they probably allow even better drainage. So it's kind of kind of a win-win here, is what it sounds like. That's right. And and when we talk about fish getting through them, we're talking about two different things. One is adult spawning salmon wanting to get up into the stream and do their thing. The other is during a, a Nooksack River flood, the little juvenile salmon, they need to get out of the river. They can't handle that velocity, so they look yeah. to these little streams. And prior to this project we just did, and this one, they were blocked from getting up there and going out in the field where they can get out of the flow. Now they can go back out, then the gate opens, and they can go right back into the river again after the flood. So the, it's actually opening up habitat to juvenile salmon, a place for them to stay safe and, and ride out a flood, essentially? Yep, and that's important. Obviously, you have a big flood and have it decimate these runs that we're trying so hard to restore and to grow. And, and I, we talk so much here on this program and in so many other uh, venues about the importance of, of bringing fish back to our streams and, and what that all means and why everybody's working so hard on trying to do that. So talk about how this actually happens. I mean, one of these newer floodgates and marine gate and great aluminum and you know this is pretty big infrastructure and it probably takes quite a bit of excavation and a lot of permits and a lot of equipment and stuff this how do you get started on actually putting one of these in or, or replacing one of these old fish unfriendly floodgates yeah and, and this particular project that we did um the floodgate is under a flood protection levy which was quite a sizable structure so you're right it was moving a few thousand yards of material in and out and then rebuilding the levee again after the the floodgates and the new culverts they were attached to went in um in this case the 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 levee itself is monitored and maintained by the u.s army corps of engineers and they cited this floodgate as a deficiency meaning that mm. they couldn't inspect it the culvert was rusting out the gates were not running operating as well as they should so the the diking district there and the flood control zone Whatcom county flood control zone district um 
started talking about replacing it and we were able to through the the farmer himself get funding additional funding through the usda national resource conservation service and we just sort of cobbled the funding together and pretty soon we had enough to do this project and it's looking really good down there i gotta say so this is the project out at, at uh, apple family dairy and apple farms and yes. we talked with rich apple many a time here on the program and he's involved with leadership at the organization i work with now save family farming and and whatcom family farmers and I know this this kind of work is really important to Rich and, and to his whole family and, and their operation there. And you know, a lot of people know them for their cheese, but they do so much more than that. So how did that all get? I mean, this sounds like it's the name of the game here was uh, cooperation and collaboration. There's a, a lot of even in just what you've listed so far, and I'm sure there's a lot more. There are a lot of different players involved between all the government agencies and the farm itself and, and everybody who actually did this work. I mean, it, that's it almost sounds like the biggest challenge here is to get everybody on the same page it's some coordination for sure and and that, that's part of the challenge permitting is a little bit of a challenge because there's a number of additional agencies involved but that wasn't really too big an issue on this one it just mm -hmm. takes time all of this takes time you got to keep talking you got to keep working it out put the funding together like i said and come up with a good contractor which we had and pretty soon you got a completed project so have you guys done something like this project before or do you have more in the works or kind of how does this fit into the bigger picture with the the things that you guys are doing there at the conservation district in this county there are two other floodgates that have been replaced in recent years there's one that we spearheaded headed at the conservation district which was the first one in the county and then there was another one kind of across the river from apple farms that whatcom county flood control zone district did uh two years ago i believe and now there's one more up just west of linden that we're hoping to have funding locked up for here in the next couple months and we'll go to construction on that one next summer so are these all working with farmers or other landowners or who are you working with i mean obviously it takes somebody with land along there to be able to to do this kind of stuff yep all these floodgates exist on commercial farmland so it's definitely working with one or more farmers that own the land Typically, they're also on the diking district boards that kind of govern the levees there, and we're working with all these folks to make it happen. So, yeah, talk talk about those partnerships. What What's it like working with these farmers? What's their perspective on it? What's their motivation to do this? Because it probably has to be a bit disruptive to their operation and, and probably you know cost them something along the way. Yeah, definitely. And the work takes place in the summer, so... Generally, the the fields adjacent to the project site, they probably have to give up a few acres there for one growing season to yeah. allow the work to take place. And and um, that's very generous, and we appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're involved. They're they're key to this entire thing. And and I think, like you said at the beginning, it is a win win because they do end up with you know something that's going to be there for a hundred years. So it's going to work well. Does it ultimately then allow their property to be better drained for most of the year? Is is kind of yep. what I'm hearing here. So they they may have better usage of of their land at the same time that they're they're doing something that actually benefits fish habitat. That's the goal. It's the whole food, fish, and farm thing that we want to do yeah. stuff that benefits the farms, helps ameliorate floods a little bit, and have some fish benefits. Frank Corey with us uh, with the Whatcom Conservation District. He's their resource coordinator. Uh, what do the farmers say about this? I mean, do they 
Are they skeptical at first? I, I, you know, I think I'd be skeptical if I had property and thought, "Wow, you're going to do what?" And is that how's that going to turn out? I guess it helps when there there are now some installed and people can see the benefit. Yep, that's helped a lot. The first one we did, there was definitely some skepticism, and and that took a couple of years of of talking and convincing, and that one's worked out really well. And uh, the farmers that have been involved in that one have been big advocates to go ahead and retrofit all the other ones in the county up and down the river with the same technology. What can the general public, you know, people aren't involved in, you know, certainly farmers hearing this this morning may be thinking, hmm, you know, that, that's interesting. I maybe need to think about some stuff on my property. What about people in the, in the general public? How can they be supportive of this? I guess part of it is just following what you guys do at the, the conservation district and, and it's local and, and state and federal governments really that support what you guys do. Yep, absolutely. Stay in touch with us. We're revamping our website now to better show people what we're involved in. And we'd love to have you have you participate in any way you want to. So what what uh, other than this kind of stuff, what, what what are the projects that you're usually working on there at the Conservation District? I know you guys do so, so many different things. Yep, we do do a lot of things. I'm the lead on our habitat division. So we do... Um, stream planting, we do fish passage projects beyond floodgates, you know, culverts to bridges and things like that. We also have a research team that works um, with the dairy community here to improve their technologies. And we have our farm planning team that works with farms large and small to to improve their operations and to um, ensure that they're, have, they're being good stewards of the land. There's a lot of stuff that goes on that I think uh, the average Joe probably just doesn't even know about. I mean, uh, do you get the sense that people even realize this is going on in their community, that the people, so many different partners, yourself included, are so invested in all this work? Yeah, probably not. Isolated projects like the floodgates at Apple Farms, you know, they're kind of out in the middle of the floodplain in the middle of nowhere. And you would have no idea that that took place and that money was spent there and that public good was served. But it, it does anyway. Well, thank you for the good work that you folks do there. And I know uh, you guys have been a partner with agriculture here in this community. And a, a lot of good has been done. We've been trying to highlight that more and more with our real campaign. And, and I'm sure we'll be telling this story as well about the fish-friendly floodgates. Again, Frank Corey with us, a resource coordinator with the Whatcom Conservation District. We appreciate your time this morning coming on the program to, to talk with us. And, uh, and, of course, all your hard work on these issues. You bet. Happy to do it.